Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Escape from Reality. We are releasing this episode of our Patreon-exclusive Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, We Are the Gayers, on this feed this week because I've been on quote-unquote break uh, working on my tarot guidebook. So you all get a special treat. I don't know. Um, Before we get into it, we do have to tell you a couple of things. Most important, the deadline for sending us your questions for our gender and sexuality advice episode for this Pride is June 1st, which is barreling at us like a like a scary fast thing. Um, <laughs> like like Willow atop a semi-truck. <laughs> uh, no, nothing, nothing like uh, Giles' car in this episode, which goes... Surprisingly not fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Um, Yeah, so you can send those to us through our website, uh, hashtag ruthless.com. Click on contact. There's a little form there. And anything in the realm of gender and sexuality that you want our thoughts and opinions on is fair game. Um, Other things that we need to tell you... Uh, we're making an Our Flag Means Death podcast. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> this this show is, uh, I think, practically created if someone was like, Lark, what kind of television show would you want to see in the world? <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's such a delight yep. that we just can't not talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be coming out, I think, mid-June, but... Uh, as soon as there is, we're going to be putting up a trailer for it later this week and you will be able to subscribe. It's going to be called the gay pirate podcast, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be fucking rad really is the moral of the story. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. So, uh, yeah, please get ready to enjoy hashtag hot pirate summer. Yes. Amazing. In every generation, there are chosen queers. We alone will stand against the cisheads, the straights, and the forces of darkness. We are the Gayers. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers, a podcast for a couple of sorcerers, a couple of old mystics, a couple of (laughs) queers who know that the night is still our time. Talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh me i i am like malachi gray slash with a hint of ethan rain <laughs> i am jesse blount with a hint of specifically drunk sad giles <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh my god i literally just hurt my abs off <laughs> strong start oh my gosh it's gonna be a great day tell me all about it all right so in this episode um we start off with buffy and riley getting hot and heavy and then willow ruins the moment by dragging buffy out to her surprise birthday party Woo! happy birthday buffy uh at the party giles is surprised that no one told him that buffy was dating riley and is feeling like the odd man out chilling with a lot of college age students which hashtag mood uh spike is quote-unquote moving out of xander's to find himself a cozy place to live 
Walsh is delighted. I'm also putting finger quotation marks around <laughs> delighted about finding out that the Slayer is real and is in fact one of her students. Walsh wants to invite Buffy to be a part of the initiative, which Buffy agrees to without consulting Giles. We also get Giles getting a little bit upset about feeling like he's being replaced by Walsh. And especially when she cuts him down to nothing. Uh, Unfortunately, Giles' big bad has not manifested. And Willow thinks it's the initiative, which leads to the incredibly awkward conversation about how Riley is actually commando and Walsh is its head. No one tells Giles anything. But the night is not lost because uh, Giles' shitty ex, Ethan Rain, is here. Uh, Ethan has news, so they go on a date. I mean, information session. I mean, date. Date. (laughs) So um, Ethan can tell him some very flowery prose about the initiative and something only known as 314. Buffy goes like one-fourth hard on Riley, and he tries so hard not to feel it right in his masculinity. Uh, back at the bar Giles and Ethan are wasted and you know feeling soft about one another and speaking of gays feeling soft about one another Willow and Tara are doing some spells which is totally 1000% a euphemism (laughs) the morning after Giles is having the worst hangover and is now a horned demon which whoops Normal people just get crabs after seeing their shitty ex. And Giles Giles accidentally trashes his condo because he now has muscles and claws and spines. Giles goes to Xander in his demon form and quickly finds out that he is no longer speaking English and has freaked the shit out of Xander, who has woken up with a huge ass demon looking at him (laughs) in his bed. Uh, the Scoobies all gather to go to Giles to tell him about the demon attack, but duh, he's not there. Spike, scoping out the cemetery for a new home, stumbles into Giles because he can somehow speak that specific demon language and is literally having the time of his own life. <laughs> Spike is enabling Giles to do some good old-fashioned trolling, like <laughs> running up and scaring the shit out of Walsh. The commandos end up tailing Giles' car, and Spike, helpfully, fast and furious themselves and escape while Giles rolls out of the car to go confront Ethan. Uh, Buffy and Raleigh show up as Demon Giles is thrashing Ethan, and Buffy ends up fighting him, but thankfully notices that it is in effect Giles and saves the day. Ethan, thinking he's got away with it because of these wacky kids, is instead arrested by the U.S. government. Buffy and Giles reconnect while this season's dark mirror of Buffy and Giles, Walsh and Riley, discuss Buffy's insubordination. Yes. <laughs> so many things So <laughs> much. Yes. Um, uh, can't wait to talk about that last point that you just made because that's very intriguing and I assume you have it on your list somewhere and I'm excited. I don't, but I will talk about it now. <laughs> Cool. We should definitely talk about that. Um, Reminder that we're spoiling everything. And listeners, come with me now as we enter the bronze, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. The scene at Buffy's party 
where Riley is like trying so hard to impress Buffy's dad <laughs> and like starts out so strong and then just like fumbles so hard. I just like I used the like big eyes like eyebrow up emoji to describe the way I feel about it, which is an emoji I never use. You know what I'm talking about? The <laughs> yes. like uwu emoji. Yeah. Just like fucking Riley, why are you so adorable? I can't stand it sometimes. Which is funny because he should be very good with parents and like probably did really impress Joyce. So it is funny that he is this awkward. He starts so strong where he's like, I've seen the library. It's really gone downhill since you left. Like, great, great. You nailed it. And then he's like, "Ah." (laughs) retired. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I wonder if part of it is just because you do have to wonder how Buffy has described Giles's place in her life and it wouldn't have been like this is my dad which i think would have maybe relaxed him more than this sort of like clearly he's not just your school librarian but i think you didn't give me enough details about how i should be trying to relate to him you know it's really weird if she didn't already tell him that giles was her watcher this is true like she probably said that he was her watcher but maybe didn't get into detail about like but surrogate dad Right. But if she thinks that she already told, like, you know, assumes that she already told Giles that Riley was one of the commandos, and she already told uh, Riley that Giles was her watcher, she wouldn't have introduced him as my high school librarian. She would have been like, this is my watcher. Yeah. This is a weird continuity issue, I think. I mean, obviously necessary for for setting Giles up to feel so, like, lost and... Yeah, but also to be like, okay, but other people around don't know what a watcher is, so. Because <laughs> it was true. like, his friends are there and whatever other college randos. Oh. Yeah. And so like, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, he just started off strong and then like completely tank immediately. And it's like, ooh, you choked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh. My first thing is, why would you have a surprise party for a fucking Slayer? That sounds like someone getting a, a you know, a steak through something <laughs> yeah i know buffy obviously has other senses to be like oh this is not a room full of demons but i don't know yeah also this is the second time they've thrown her a surprise party and it's like chill out just tell her there's a party gonna happen, that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. it's just not a good idea this one goes way better than the last one where the judge gets assembled and then angel is gonna leave town I feel like maybe out of the entire show, this is basically the best birthday party we see. The best birthday we see her having. Even with the next day, her thinking that Giles has been murdered by a demon. Yeah. But that didn't happen on her birthday. This is yeah. like the only good Buffy birthday, I think. Mm. Honestly, just in terms of like bringing up traumatic shit, don't you think that if you were like, oh, last time we threw Buffy a surprise party, she had sex for the first time, and then her boyfriend lost his soul, maybe we shouldn't throw her another surprise party because it will, just because it will make her think of that last surprise party, seems like. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like in real life, they'd be like, we're just going to go to a cool restaurant and eat, you know, we're just going to buy you as much pizza or whatever as you want, and just keep in a real chill. Exactly. <laughs> But you need this setup of Giles filling out a place for this, so. Surprise party. I guess. 
Okay. Spike. Spike. Spike <laughs> stealing Xander's radio because he's evil. <laughs> uh, I just love it so much. It is very funny. My next thing is, which relates to this, is why we don't get more Spike and Anya back and forth. Because their little back and forth is so good. Yeah. I guess I just, I think part of it is in general, I'm more mad that Anya spends more time with the Scoobies, even though realistically she's like an adult and is a thousand years old and would probably have more fun talking to Spike when he becomes more ingrained with the group like later on. And you get that a little bit with her and Giles once they buy the magic shop. But like, I feel like Anya is very bored because it's like, what, like... (laughs) You are a, like, hot grandma. Like, you don't care about... <laughs> I don't know. She needs someone to banter with. And just Xander is not, is not in that place with her. No, he's not. He just says mean things to her constantly. Yeah. The... Every time we... Yeah, you're right. Every time we do get a Spike and Anya scene, it's just so good. It's just so good. They have such a way with each other. Yeah. And it also helps that I think that they just are both like sell selling their acting i think more than most people on this show because they're both sort of like character acting more than i think everyone else is doing sort of i'm just you know playing another like a person like a superpower person but a person and then these two are have such a you know deeper backstory um and so much more nuanced personalities and so i think that they just are like really strong yeah it's like wild that emma coffee is not in more stuff honestly it is yeah my next note is just myth taken <laughs> <laughs> it's so, uh, it's so good it's such a good line yeah it is so rude that Walsh doesn't even fucking crack a smile. <laughs> not, Come on. <laughs> not, not even just to take a moment to be like, okay, that was very cheesy. Like, yeah, just. I know. Buffy spends her whole fucking working life making great puns that no one appreciates because the person she's making them to has died before they can react. This is her one chance to make her good pun to a living human. And Walsh gives her nothing. Yeah. It really is too bad. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Really good. Speaking of Walsh, I am very upset that we did that we did not get Walsh and Giles butting heads all season. Really, (laughs) because just her like (laughs) just like reading him (laughs) and Giles is being like, "What the fuck is?" so entertaining it's It's so so entertaining good oh my god yeah no this is like hamilton cabinet level cabinet meeting level just burns but just on her end like he is just floundering and like oh my god she's just nailing it it's so good it's just the tragedy of not having her for the whole season. And just It just really comes out here for me where it's like, we could have had it all. <laughs> yes. And not that I don't. And I mean, one of the good things about Adam is that we get more, I think, Spike in a role that is very 
good for him to, to be you know his arc on the show but just all of was what could have been just makes me so upset yeah and the fact that she i mean i guess she is a psych professor but she like just narrows in on the best fucking ways to hurt giles just immediately and for no fucking reason he has done nothing besides come to her office and she's like i hate this guy <laughs> like i'm just i'm just gonna hurt all his feelings as much as i possibly can just immediately and it's like you how have you met him for two seconds and you've already like i have identified eight of your weaknesses and i'm just gonna shove the knife into all of them yeah and I mean, I think for the record that I'm sure Walsh is, I mean, she works in academia. I'm sure she's super tired of like old white dudes stepping to her to be like, actually, she's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> and even though it is painful to watch her do that to Giles, I'm kind of like, I understand this instinct to be like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but you are not the first and definitely not the last random white dude to try to tell me about my job. <laughs> and I'm that's like, true. yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of, of drama, (laughs) Ethan Rain in this fucking crypt all alone, just having a little monologue for no fucking reason aside from that he likes to hear himself talk and it makes him feel like a villain to do so. I cannot overstate how much I love Ethan Rain. I think there are a lot of good jokes in the episode. The fact that he starts He's like mid monologue when Giles walks back in is just the comedic timing on that is pitch perfect. It's so it's so good because yeah. you're like, OK, clearly you've seen every James Bond movie and you're like, this is where you're drawing inspiration from. But <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe you should not monologue until you're sure <laughs> that everyone has actually left. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the point where he's like, oh, fuck. And it's just like, yeah, dude. <laughs> You're in a... <laughs> I think part of him was sort of hoping that Giles would come back. I also want to remind us that the last person that we saw, like, monologuing in the dark alone was Spike just a few episodes ago. And that, you know, Giles has a type. That's That's what I have to say. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Pretty Bad Boys is definitely, I think we could sort of establish a type that Giles is into. (laughs) Yes. Like, overly dramatic, overly confident Pretty Bad Boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That want to be put in their place. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much after this joke about him monologuing, I mean, they're rolling around the floor, so. (laughs) That's true, they sure are. (laughs) Nathan's like, wait, no, don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is definitely the episode of everyone just pushing Giles's buttons. And it's like, because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, well, I see how you are. So, <sighs> man, no, this is such a good episode. I could watch this episode every day for like two months and not get bored. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's just like, this season really does have some weird episodes, but this is such, this is so, just such a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, yeah. 
Yeah, everything about Ethan and Giles when they're at the... I can't... Forever, forever, I'm like, what kind of restaurant are they at? But there isn't a bar. There's... I thought they were eating food, but they were mostly just drinking. I think they're at like a... I'm not sure what chain restaurant I'm looking for. Not Applebee's, but like... I don't know. Like a Chili's? Is that something where it's like shitty bar food and you mostly go there to drink cheap beer? Yeah. For whatever reason in my brain, I thought it was a Mexican restaurant. And I guess I don't know why. But the decor decor is definitely... I think the decor just reminds me of a lot of Michigan, Mexican restaurants in the suburbs that Mm -hmm. like have a very specific design and the food is just like okay because it's mostly just catering towards white suburbanites idea of what Mexican food is. And you just drink because you're like, the food's okay, but I can get this $4 margarita. So, duh. Although I feel like those Mexican restaurants don't have beer on tap. That's true. They only bottle bottle beer because you're mostly supposed to be drinking like overly sweet margaritas yeah so yeah i don't know uh i just want to talk about ethan's audacity of asking that waitress like hitting on that waitress in front of Josh. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're on a date sir <laughs> are you shitting and it's like yes you are evil villain but like bro come on <laughs> <laughs> Ethan doesn't have a lot of tact. I mean, just hitting on a server is pretty tactless, generally. Yeah, don't do that, everyone. They're being friendly because they need because they want your money, <laughs> and yeah. like not like in a way. Don't hit the wait staff. They're not flirting with you. They make two dollars an hour, and they want more of your money. And you should give them more of your money, but don't assume that they're flirting with you. Yeah, they need they need more of your money. They yeah. need your tip. Yeah, tip tip thirty percent or more, and don't give that wait staff your money. You know your money. Give them your money, not their not your number. Don't be that person. Exactly. Let them give you their number if a vibe is truly happening. I think is right. a good litmus right i want some sort of like weird alternate universe situation where maggie walsh and her nancy ninja boys is a band (laughs) (laughs) oh my god how did i (laughs) oh yeah Actually, yes. Or really, if if any of our listeners are going to start a band, I offer you this as your band name, and please send us your EP. Yeah. Or if you're not the band-having type, at least have it be your trivia team. Also good. Yes. Use it for anything, but so your long tw- as it gets used. Your your Twitter handle just this is just ripe ripe for the <laughs> ripe for the taking, yeah. just for you. <laughs> Uh, I rewatched this whole season and then season five and then part of season six a couple of months ago with Nicole. And I feel like even though we know that they are like clearly in a relationship, it's a little bit more ambiguous, I think, at this point. But later on, it's like they are dating. And I feel like... Who's the they sorry, in question here? Tara and Willow. Oh, Okay. Sorry, I guess I didn't make that clear because we're talking about Giles and Ethan, but I'm talking about Tara in Willow, where I feel like 
they don't kiss or ever explicitly say that they're dating until season five. And I know this is this is still kind of been like they're like figuring it out and they're doing very, I feel like sex coded magic in these scenes. Um, their first kiss is in season five. Okay. They the episode where Oz comes back is when they're established as being. I don't okay. think they ever say like, no, they do. So like. Willow comes out to Buffy and says that she's dating Tara by being like, it's complicated because of Tara. And then Buffy does the whole like gay panic thing for like a second and then is like, never mind, I'm over that. Um, And then at the end of the season when Xander finds out, which is when they're breaking into the initiative, I think he's like, wait, Willow and Tara are dating? But like, it is... It's, it's established in a few in a few episodes okay because i just because i feel like a little bit that i thought it was way more obvious and apparent than it is like the actual text of the show mm. and so i'm kind of like uh just as a little bit of a funny watch to see how much maybe the network was like okay but you can't say this directly <laughs> as much as they're sort of dancing around it until season five and definitely season six where they're on new network and they're just like no we are fucking (laughs) yeah so (laughs) no i don't i don't think i mean right now i think it is supposed to be like coded but i think it's intentional like building it up so that it there's this whole dramatic thing that willow has to make a decision when oz comes back yeah um okay i know that it would ruin the episode but honestly why doesn't Giles just write someone a fucking note? I feel like I should obligatory say this is why you should always leave a note. Uh, because it is true. And it is one of the few Arrested Development jokes that I actually get. And it is very funny. So. I have no context for what you just that's said. Fine. But I bet it is funny. I believe Anyway, it. that's fine. That's all right. You should always leave a note if you want. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, I've watched this episode like 50 times minimum, and this is the first time that I was like, what, Giles, why don't you just write someone a note? But like, still. (laughs) But then he would have broken all of his, what I'm sure are his very fancy pens. Yeah. And also, (laughs) so much chaos could have been avoided. So much chaos could have been avoided. He probably has very nice pens. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Although his letter opener is not real silver. <laughs> Plebeian. Oh, we we know you go to magical yard sales, Giles. Just buy a silver <laughs> letter opener. Uh, I just want to shout out Willow's excellent advice about you can't walk around being less than you are. Yeah. Always good advice. Such good advice. So many good advice. Thanks. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, now I feel like that was really pointed as she's sitting there wearing the gayest shirt that anyone she... has ever worn. We're going to talk about this in April Fool's, but yes. Yes, we are. I, I was immediately like, how did I, how have I never clocked this sweater before? Uh, okay. I just also want to point out Spike and his tape measure in the graveyard. He's just like... Measuring the sizes of the crowd. <laughs> I don't know why it makes so much, but someone was like, "He's gonna have a tape measure in this scene," and I'm like, "Thank you, whoever made that decision." It's just so ridiculous. 
Yeah, that's lovely. <sighs> Welcome to the cemetery where we talk about character development. Um, I think we have to start with Anya. I have such complicated feelings about this first scene with her and Xander where Giles is talking and then Anya's like, I'm bored, let's go. And Xander is right that that's a very rude thing to do. And she clearly cares that that's rude and she wants to do better generally. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so adorable when she turns back to Giles and goes, I'm sorry, please continue your story. And then turns to Xander and gives him the cutest look of like, I did it. Like, she's so proud of herself and I just love her so much. Um, But also, I don't know what it is about the way that Xander corrects her, but I hate it and I want to hit him. I think it's his tone. Yeah. It's a much sharper tone than like, I think is warranted for the situation where, you know... I just think I, I I just think he was too harsh about it. It could have been like you know, I guess it could have been a thing where it's like let's get a good a drink, and he could have been like that was kind of rude. You're doing okay, but we're gonna go back to Giles and like talk to him. Yeah, I think there just could have been a kinder way to acknowledge her feelings, and then also to like still for her to go back and be like, hey, I'm sorry about that. Continue your story, you know. Yeah. I th- could they they also could have communicated to us that Anya and Xander had established some sort of code, you know, if he had, you know, done some sort of body movement or something, we could see it register on her face and then she could turn and say that to Giles and we all would have understood what had happened. And that would yeah. have been sweet, you know? Yeah, right. Even if she was like, oh, you're doing the code thing, I should probably <laughs> right. apologize, which, yes, would have been cute and would have just seemed less mean i think yeah and anya deserves only good things yeah yeah i think it's really important to establish a signal especially if it's a like i would like to leave this conversation i'm somehow stuck in or if if your partner asks you you know i know that i'm not good in this situation can you let me know somehow when i'm doing a thing that's rude without realizing it signal that so that they aren't embarrassed in front of another person and still can get the information that they've asked to receive yeah so we also get this really wonderful piece of anya you know figuring out how to person where she just fucking randomly unplugs xander's lamp to give to spike it's just like the first thing that she saw and it's wonderful and what makes it the most wonderful is that she says a gift is traditional i read about it and i'm like yes yes you're so good yeah and also just like i don't know so like those are good those are good instincts to be like okay this is a situation that i don't know how to deal with but i've read about it and i've establishing all the key things so this is what you do, Xander. This is the this is the peopling, right? Yeah. And I mean, Anya's also in the right where it's like Spike hangs out enough where no one wants to like admit that Spike is their friend, but he kind of is. Yeah, he totally point. is. So Anya is also like assessed the situation of being like Spike has been hanging around, like helping us do stuff for several weeks now. So we protected him from being taken by the initiative. So clearly, he is our friend. Yeah. I can have this lamp from your basement. 
Um, who else do you have here? I just have, I have a little bit about Buffy and a little bit about Giles. Let's do Buffy. All right. And I mean, part of it is, of course, how much I despise Angel. But Buffy is just so happy in this, like, the new, like, in the honeymoon period of her relationship with Riley. And even Willow's like, I like you when you're dating someone. This is fun. And I'm like, well, that is so, like, it's, I don't know. Buffy's, like, in a good place. And it's just really nice. I just feel, I just feel very happy for her. Yeah. She had a birthday that wasn't a catastrophe, you know? Yep. Buffy's odds are really, are really this good for her. She should, like, buy a lot of tickets. Right? She should. <laughs> yeah, she. I feel like this is the happiest we maybe ever see Buffy in the entire series. Yeah, it's like the the least complicated happiness we see her with for sure. Yeah, which somehow also feels sad. It is sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Just let let Buffy be happy <laughs> for more than two seconds. It really is two seconds. It's like next episode when her happiness gets taken away for the rest of the season wait what's the, which one is the next episode the iron team oh yeah yep um so giles is just having such a bad day such a bad <laughs> week month he's just having a bad one as compared to buffy yeah yeah it's really really the opposite of the time that buffy is having yeah yeah he's He's no longer fun employed. It's just unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just feeling like no no one's giving him the hot goss anymore. Or even the like relevant life updates of his child. Yeah, I know. It's like Buffy, call your dad every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. But I do have to say that the I mean the moments with him and Spike episode are so like just to watch spike sort of enable giles's sort of worst impulses (laughs) is it's a treasure it's just such a treasure it is really really good (laughs) yes it's it's so good that i want to talk about it more okay spike's crypt (laughs) all right that's fair no that's fair um no i'm just into that and i mean just yeah, just the just their tro- just like Spike just trolling him for I also fucking adore the part where Giles is just like losing it in the crypt about not having been told that Riley is a commando and he's like, Who else knew? And they're like, No one. Anya and then very quietly are like and Spike and Giles flips out. He's so mad. He's like, why does Spike know? Spike is our enemy. Oh, uh, I'm like, I love it so much. I mean, it it is also just really funny to watch a uh, very put together stately Giles have a hissy fit. <laughs> it's a hissy fit. <laughs> And it's like, I feel that's also a mood where Spike just get information. You're just like, I am so over the, like, I just let me just scream like a toddler for just three seconds about what bullshit this is. Yeah. <sighs> and then he, like, in that same moment calls Walsh a fish wife. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, is a 
coarse, unmannered woman. It's like a Shakespeare era <laughs> insult that Giles has just come out with, which just feels so, just so perfect. Yeah, doesn't he call her a harridan later on in this episode, <laughs> Which is a scolding, vicious woman. Nice. Semi, semi-colon hag, semi-colon shrew, according to Dictionary.com. Amazing. Uh, so yeah, that is what he, that's what he calls her at some point during this episode, and I'm just like, uh, I I just like I just love how much he hates her, and I just love that it culminates in him fucking chasing her down the street. Like I love Giles giving into his basest instincts. He was literally like, wait, Spike, pull the car over. We have to do this. And we obviously don't see Spike's face, but you know he's just like enjoying the shot. Oh, yeah. Literally. He is so proud of Giles. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, what a good episode. Yeah, especially, I mean, there's, I think you're right. There's a lot of sexy stuff to talk about with Giles in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a very hot Giles episode. Um, before we move off of him. Listeners, you cannot see this, but Lark has just turned so red. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Oh my god. Okay, anyway, this actually was probably a Buffy point, but I had it in the Giles thing. Just, like, Buffy has negative tact when she's talking about Walsh to Giles. She is so rude. And, like, rude in a way that, I don't know. I mean, I guess if she's really distracted, might track for her character. But she's literally, like, talking to her dad and is like, Oh no, Professor Walsh is too old and like smart and cool to hang out with a bunch of kids in her off hours. I'm like, Buffy, you're being so mean. Oh my God. Yeah, that was just so cutting. (laughs) Poor Giles. My last thing here is just that I think that it is canon that Professor Walsh is gay because when hot Giles wearing his hot black button down walks into her office looking all fucking hot and sheepish before he says anything that might insult her, she does not react. Nothing. If you're immune to that. He he's wearing a suede coat with one, just the top button of his shirt undone. And you can see his undershirt, which shouldn't be that hot, but it is. Yeah, because he's selling it. <laughs> yes, he really is. And he's, he doesn't come in with, like, bad energy at all. It's clear that he's, like, a little uncomfortable, which I think is also very sexy. Yeah. And she's just a fucking... She's a wall. There is nothing. So that, yeah. is, a, that is a gay woman. That's what I have to say. Yeah. Nope. I am... Um, yeah. Welcome to April Fool, where we talk about fashion. 
I think we should start off with uh, Walsh's tennis mom look. (laughs) (laughs) Sweater. Just like, I'm like, you're wearing a sweater and then you have another, there's the arms of one sweater knotted and like on your chest. I'm like, are you, are you taking, like what? It's just. Yeah, it's a really weird look. Yeah. I mean, I guess considering how much stern mom energy she's giving out in this episode, I guess maybe it's I guess. Uh, speaking of sweaters, Xander wears a disaster of a sweater vest in the beginning of this episode. I feel like I don't remember because I was I was just taking notes. I was like, I don't even know if I even looked at Xander in that scene, but I believe you. He's wearing a too big white collared shirt with this blue sweater vest over it. And the pattern on the sweater vest is like if you took blue camo... And then you like zoomed in until there's a bunch of blue space between the camo bits. Does that make sense as a descriptor? It is awful. I mean, just absolutely terrible. I'm also, I guess, not surprised for Xander. But like, yeah, what a terrible... It's hard because last episode he was really... He like looked really good last episode. I was like, you are wearing great clothes. And then he comes in here and I'm like, no. No. Yeah, once again, the costuming of the show continued to be baffling. Yep. What's next? Uh, I think it is... So not the beginning when Spike is moving out, but the next day when Anya is with the gang and they're trying to figure out what happened to Giles, she's wearing just a very weird paneled skirt. She sure is. And like Buffy and Riley are just kind of in like, you know, very kind of dark colors. And I just just look up at the screen. I'm like, Anya, what are you (laughs) What is this skirt? Yep. Yeah, it is so bright. And I didn't check, but I would bet money it is probably different panels of fabric, too, which just seems... Definitely. (sighs) Buffy actually has a really good episode, this episode, clothes-wise, I think. And I don't really care about her weird sort of cross-hatchy skirt that she's wearing, but the gray sweater with the, like, neon pink strapped bag is very good she looked really good yeah i'm like that look is in (laughs) yeah uh so yeah no that was an that was a very good look for her yeah it's too many it was like three seconds of her wearing that incredibly cute true but she does i think that she keeps that sweater on or a similar sweater for pretty much the rest of the episode yeah this is a very unoffensive buffy look episode yeah and a little bit for willow yeah, they won't stop dressing her in red and orange together. But aside from that, yeah, Willow looks pretty chill. I wonder if they like dressed everyone else down to make Ethan's tackiness feel more poignant. I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I do say the, the very blatant rainbow sweater that Willow is wearing is surprisingly unoffensive. Yeah, it's weird because it's so much sweater. And I think that probably we like it because it's like, you know, there's a threshold, uh, a gay threshold where you pass from like bad tacky to like you've hit just enough too much tacky yeah. that it's, it becomes good. And that sweater is firmly in that camp. It's like really good ugly sweater plus super gay. Did you notice how thin it was? 
I mean, you just, there was, there's like a shot of like where the camera's over Willow's shoulder and you can see that the, the weave of the sweater is pretty thin, like thin enough to see like the straps of her camisole, which is of course all what girls wore in the early 2000s much. I'm just, that was, that trend is still very weird to me, but I was kind of yeah. like, I was still kind of like, it makes sense to be wearing a thin cut, a thin sweater in California. That's true. So this is even logistically making sense for me. Yeah. Did you notice that one of the stars is like rainbow and the other was basically the lesbian flag colors? Oh, I did not notice that. I don't know if the lesbian flag was already established when this came out. I think it might be one of the newer ones, but coincidence or not, it's wonderful. Yeah. Are we finally at Ethan's shirts? I don't have anything else. Yes, we are at Ethan's shirts. I feel like I don't know where to start. You know, I think what's funniest to me is that I don't really notice how absurd his shirts are until we see Giles in his shirt. Because I feel like Ethan pulls it off somehow. He's like, this shirt just makes sense on me. And you're like, you're full of charisma and like weird charm and your voice is hot. And you know what? If you like that shirt, I like that shirt on you. And then Giles puts it on and you're like, oh, no, 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 that's a bad shirt. I think it's just something about the shiny, it wants to be silk, but it's really polyester button-up shirt is just, I feel like it seems inherently sleazy and part of Ethan's charm is a little bit sleazy. So I feel that's why I feel like it works, but... All he ever wears is just sleazy shirts. Yeah. <laughs> like, did, <laughs> you know, like just a normal t-shirt. It's all just weird polyester or silk sleazy button-up shirt. Yeah. Yeah, the cheapness of the shirt definitely helps too. Like, you can tell that it's a cheap material. And I don't think it's this episode, but previously he's worn those sort of like faux velvet ones that are super scratchy on the inside too, which is just horrible to think about. Yeah. Welcome to the Hellmouth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Mine this week is just political. I just have one thing, which is like, the initiative arrests Ethan, which is interesting because they like, I mean, I guess there probably are like, they could phrase the charges against him in a way that both line up with like real laws and account for the the thing that he did. But, you know, it's clear that he's not going to be given any sort of like trial or anything like that. But I think the thing that I'm actually most interested in is that, uh, Riley says that they're going to send him to Nevada, which makes me think that the initiative is some sort of offshoot of the Area 51 government branch. They just were like, yeah, we do aliens. Let's start doing monsters. Yeah. No, that would make sense. I actually, I did not, I did not catch the thing about Nevada. Most because I was just thinking like, right, yeah, what are they going to do with him? And we never see or hear from him again. No. And... I'm sorry, all you comics fans. I, I don't. I'm not gonna buy the comics being canon. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> we don't literally ever hear from him. So it's a little bit like, what? What happened? What happened to him? Where, where did he go? Yeah. Did, was he still there when the initiative imploded? Like. 
No, I think he really did get sent to a, you know, secret government prison in Area 51. I mean, considering how little the initiative seems to know about magic and the slayers and stuff, I'm sure having a, whatever he calls himself, an old mystic Mm -hmm. (laughs) might be of particular interest. That's true. Yeah. Riley makes a very dark joke about how Ethan will be rehabilitated in no time, which... You're like, oh no, what does that mean? I don't think it can mean anything good. Yeah, that sounds like having your want, your mind wiped or being tortured or something. Yeah. Which, I mean, Ethan is a villain. He is a sleazy dude. He does not deserve that. Especially because the U.S. military already basically answers to no one, let alone if you're a secret part of the U.S. military. Yeah. Not a good look. Mm-mm. Not, not a good look. Welcome to the Magic Box, where we rant about stuff. One of the things that I love particularly about this episode is another one of Spike's layers. Not like layers, like like a layer of his personality, which is he randomly knows another demon. Yeah. Which is such a good detail and also just totally fits in with his whole deal. I don't know. I just really like that. I just really like that detail. And just how how do you how do you learn this? Like you really you really took the time, Spike, to learn this demon language enough to know that when Giles is using really bizarre vocabulary in that language to make fun of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that if you want to be the you know the the boss bad guy vampire that you would learn languages of sort of minion demon varieties so that you can have people to do your bidding, you know? Yeah. The more minions, the merrier. And I guess Fiarls are just like, yeah, if you give me, like, heads to crush, I'm good. That's what I want in life, so. I mean, they do already kind of look like rams. With their curved horns. That's true. They already kind of have a beast of burden vibe going on. <laughs> I don't know. I just can't imagine any anyone else in his in Spike's vampire family taking the time to learn another language to communicate with their oxen, essentially. That's true. So, I don't know. There's a lot of... I think I've seen a lot of fan speculation about what, what Spike's human education might have been and i feel like if you went to college in the victorian ages and you were a dude you probably had to learn like greek and latin and shit anyway yeah for sure and it seems like if you know how to learn one other language it's pretty it's not like easy but you have a better framework to learn other i don't know i only know english this is why i'm like only speculating so yeah no i'm pretty sure that that science backs you up (laughs) on that knowing one other language makes it easier to learn more languages because brain plasticity. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take us all the way back to the very beginning of the episode where Buffy and Riley are like passionately making out in her bed with their shoes on. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, obviously I'm upset about it when they're just chilling and like sitting on their bed or whatever, but Take off your shoes. Take you are you are making out 
You have been laying down in her bed for a while now. Take your fucking shoes off. What are you doing? Unless it's like a kink, you should never be wearing your shoes in bed ever. I don't even like wearing the clothing that I have worn into the world in my bed. It's like... You're lucky you don't have a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I just... I just... Both times, Ethan Rains gets caught because he is too caught up in his villain shit. You don't have to watch it unfold. You could have already have been gone. They didn't find you until a whole day and a night later. You could have been back in England. (laughs) Proposal. Ethan Rain does this because he wants to be caught. I mean, he wants to be caught by Giles. (laughs) It's not one of the arrested by the US. No, but that was nowhere in his... uh... Yeah. list of things that might happen because he, even he's like buffy what are you even gonna do <laughs> i'm just gonna leave my cab is already waiting outside it's like oh no yeah fair okay that is that is a good assessment because it probably is a little bit like oh you cut me again ripper what are you gonna do now yeah exactly you're gonna be so much more mad next time you catch me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you want to hit me again? Do you want to take off your shirt while you do it? And it just gets downhill <laughs> from there. Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Okay. We got Giles. So earlier this season, we talked about him introducing Buffy to Olivia and being like, Buffy was one of my students. And Olivia being like, uh-huh. Like, and she's in your home. Why? Um... He didn't get any better at that since then. Fucking, he says to Walsh, I'm her friend. And I was her high school librarian in a way that makes it sound like, and I have been having an inappropriate relationship with her since before she was of the age of consent. Like, there's one way to read what he has said, and it is very, very bad. Which might also be a reason why Maggie Walsh was like, oh, I am just not even going to give you the benefit of any kind of doubts. You know what? That's true. Um, Which she really drives home when he's (laughs) leaving. And she's like, I'll tell Buffy her friend was looking for her. (laughs) Yeah, maybe if Maggie Walsh wasn't a part of a uh, COVID government operation, she might have, I don't know done an appropriate thing to be like okay but buffy are you are you you okay yeah uh yeah i just want her and giles both to get a lot better at their cover story like for instance i'm her dad would be great who's gonna check no one exactly or even if they just lied oh this is my mom's boyfriend we're like really close like i mean yeah my dad my stepdad something my uncle yeah. Yeah, the fact that they don't have just like one like just one lie or half lie they tell people to make it less awkward than like why do you hang out with your high school librarian stuff? Right. Yeah. All right. Um which I mean wasn't in my initial notes, but I will yes talk about Wash and Riley as being a dark mirror of Buffy and Giles. Okay, so and I mean part of it is that we get a little bit we get a lot of this last season in season 3 where we have kind of the mayor and faith being a sort of dark Buffy and Giles like mentor slash parental 
relationship. And we gain this really hardcore with both Walsh and Riley too. Mm-hmm. But it it feels different than I think what was going on between the mayor and Faith, but still it still feels less wholesome than what Giles and Buffy have. Mm-hmm. And partly is that while I think Walsh does care for Riley, she is still using and manipulating him. Right. And like what is it? Pumping him full of weird drugs. And he has a weird chip that he doesn't even find out about until much later. Yeah. And just like her just sort of like false concern for him is deeply upsetting. But... She also has a camera in his room. Yes. He also has a, ca- he also has a camera in his room, which is also just terrible. Yeah. And it's, it's just... It's just... It's really gross. But I think at first you can kind of see it as like, oh, well, yeah, like Buffy has Giles. I mean, it's a very, it's a very false concern. He's de- she's definitely just using Riley, even though Riley does have genuine affection and respect for Walsh. I think she has affection and respect for him too, but I think that it's like just really twisted, and she, I think that Walsh thinks that she's a good guy. I think that she thinks that she's a good person, and that what she's doing with Adam is like for the greater good. I think she like she's when Riley defects she's genuinely upset about it and not like I lost a good soldier upset but like how dare my child defy me kind yeah, of yeah 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 she still treats him not great <laughs> yeah I mean Mayor Wilkins is a literal demon and he's he treated Faith better than Walter's treated Riley yeah which I guess could also itself be a uh, just another indication of about how shitty the U.S. military is. Mm-hmm. I follow someone on TikTok who's talked a little bit about her fucked up experiences in, I think it was maybe the Navy. But she was like, oh yeah, all the time they would just give us weird injections of stuff that we never knew what it was and we just had to do it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Whoa. Yeah. So the fact that Riley is like, what? what is it? Weird vitamins is what he thinks it is. Yeah. Um, And they're just like, yeah, take these weird, weird vitamins. He's like, yeah, sure. Like, it's apparently a thing that happens in the military. <laughs> I'm just like, cool. This, this won't backfire at, at anyone at any time. This is, this is totally just chill. Yeah. Totally a thing that's not going to cause you PTSD in the future. Not at all. Yikes. Yeah. So... I do like a little bit of that there where we're getting an, a, a very twisted sort of mentor slash parental vibe that once again, we can just look at Buffy and Giles and be like, thank God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there aren't the same weird fucked up power dynamics. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, here's my last thing. Giles goes to Xander's house at 1030 in the morning. The people whose, like, toys they step on, like, if they called the cops, that was at 10.30 a.m. Riley and the Scoobies (laughs) have all waited until after dark to go check in on this. I mean, the Scoobies, I assume, didn't think Giles was in danger. And so they were like, well, we'll hunt the demon at night. That's what we do. But, like, why is Riley just now responding to these 911 calls? (laughs) He's like, they said they heard, like banging and growling growling yeah like something and that was 
I don't know, minimum like eight hours ago, and now I'm here to like see if everyone's okay. I what the hell? There must be a lot of now and one like calls it that happen every day in Sunnydale for it to be like. Well, we thought it was just the regular chatter, but actually. And actually, now that I've said that, I actually think it's weird also that that Buffy and co waited that long to go look into the demon because this demon came into xander's home in broad daylight who the fuck knows what else it was going to do you should probably drop everything and look for that demon that's weird demon behavior maybe buffy heck walsh's class and she didn't want to miss (laughs) walsh i'm sure you know walsh is the kind of professor who has a like no excuses like mystery classes and you're out sort of structure (sighs) yeah Fuck those professors, by the way. <laughs> yeah, don't, please don't be like that. Your students have other lives and things going on in them. And disabilities, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Spike's Crypt, where we talk about sexy stuff. This is where I have the most notes of the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here for it. Cool. Do you want to start? Giles' outfits just, I mean, the the intro combo of his tweed sweater combo, I was like, if I was a rando at Buffy's birthday party, I would have been like, are you a teacher? Can, is it okay if I hit on you now? Because you are clearly the most attractive person at this party. Uh, yep. And then he'd be like, I was Buffy's high school librarian. And you'd be like, great, you probably go out with 20-year-olds. So <laughs> I guess I can hit on you. It'd definitely be a moment of like, you know what, I'm going to have another drink. And then we're just going to keep going with this conversation. I'm just going to pretend like I don't have ethics right now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you're 19 hitting on someone Giles' age, you probably would be like, cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not too young for you. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> you could buy me some cool beer while you're at it. Great. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh. Anyway, and we, we've already talked about his suede coat and jean and his dark button up. Which he was mad about being ripped, and so am I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, honorary mention for Buffy and Riley when Riley's like talking about how strong she is, and he's clearly very into it. And just, I mean, so into it, which, I mean, Riley is just such a bottom. So, of course, he is. But he says, I'm not even sure I could take you. And Buffy goes, That all depends on your meaning. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Buffy is definitely picking up what Riley is putting down, which is dominating him. And I'm like, you should. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he finds out that she could basically just literally sweep him off his feet without breaking a sweat. And that's pretty fucking hot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, he literally says he's like, you're like, what is, I mean, he doesn't say wicked strong, but something along those lines. Well, yeah, I mean, he compares her to Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really cute. Um, uh, he, you know, and Buffy's like, ooh, is he freaked out? And then he just goes, 
I like it. It's like you're so strong and no one can boss you around. So you're stronger than me and you can boss me around. Sounds really good to me. It's very true. Yeah. No, he's into it. And it's like, you are correct, Riley Finn. It is, it is in fact, very hot. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, I just want to talk about when Giles is fucking wasted and he's just giggly. And it's just like, sir, <laughs> sir, how, how, how are you this attractive? <laughs> like... Your face is so cute. Let me just sit on it. It's just just so... I just don't even know. Especially his face when he's not looking and hears Ethan go, you know, you're really very attractive. And Giles looks up with such, like, hope and joy on his face. And then he's so sad when Ethan's talking to the server. (laughs) Which is also why it was so rude. I mean, but I also feel like they probably just went back and had sex, though. Ethan and Giles. Yeah, Uh, yeah. definitely. But yeah. Uh, What do you have next? The line, we're still a couple of sorcerers. The night is still our time. A time of magic. Pointed eye contact. Cheers to magic. Like. (laughs) I know. So, just so, it's such a gay scene. It's so gay. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone wants like a sexy like code word for consenting to something with your partner so that you can do it i don't know in character or something i know people have issues with feeling like blatant consent isn't sexy i feel like to magic would be great you should use it this is true that that is that is very true or if you want to make your family really uncomfortable during your wedding fast <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Hot. <laughs> uh, I don't have as much in the sexy part as you do, so I'm just gonna bounce off you, whatever, whatever okay. you have. Let's talk about the fact that Spike immediately recognizes that this demon is Giles. And Giles is like, you understand me? And then Spike just with entirely too much sex in his voice and face says of course i understand you and it feels very like i know you so intimately how could i possibly not know that this is you even though you're a fucking fjarl demon at the moment yeah it's hot i mean whatever james marsters is like everyone like every scene that he's in you're like why is this so sexy but him and giles there's like next the ke- i think the chem- the chemistry is out of control which is maybe why they're not in very many scenes together <laughs> there is no like it like having them in scenes together in this season you're just like the leap to this them just fucking is not that big of a leap no. <laughs> after a while you're like you'll have a lot in common and i mean clearly you're kind of each other's types as we've seen throughout the, the series so yeah the look on spike's face when giles growls in the car and he's like did you just growl and it's like (laughs) very he's just very like oh (laughs) um and keeps egging giles on to like get he's like yeah get mad get mad after i help you kill this guy you can like take me home and take it out on me like come on get mad 
Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Spike is definitely very responsive to what Giles is put, to what Giles is Yes. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, I mean, yeah, like, James Marsons can't not have chemistry with anyone, it just is not how, but, yeah, the, the vibes, the vibes of this episode are so, it's like, oh, you've moved out, but you have not moved on. No. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um and then I don't know why this got out of place, but my last Giles and Ethan thing is at the end where Giles is like, I'm actually gonna go watch them manhandle him into a vehicle. Very like if they're gonna take him away forever, I want one last vision of him being manhandled to keep with me forever. <laughs> He should, yes, he, that is exactly the last, probably why he, like, screams things and, like, they're still, like, bantering somehow back and forth. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then did you want to talk about the lesbian Rose scene or no? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just not a euphemism. They are having magical sex. That's what's happening in this scene. Yeah. It's a test of synchronicity. Like, come on. <laughs> Is that what the kids are calling it these days, Willow? Okay. All right. You didn't have the internet. Well, you do have the internet to look these things up. Yeah, okay. That's fine. There's probably not a gay bookstore in Sunnydale for you, Willow. So, you know. It's just a subsection of the witch bookstore, I think. Or not the witch bookstore, but the magic shop. Yeah. There's just a lot of books that have labyrinths on the cover. Wow, I feel, I feel like I can feel like that part of my the muscles up here hurt from laughing. So I know, hard. yeah, totally. <laughs> my my upper jaw muscles are very sore. Welcome to the library, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, I only have, so I only have a couple of things. Number one, uh. I assume Spike is trolling Giles about the paralyzing mucus thing. No, (laughs) because Willow, when she's reading about it in the book, goes, and, uh, mucus. Okay, he was not trolling him about that. That is good, because I feel like a paralyzing mucus sounds like a very plausible defense slash attack mechanism for, I mean, whatever demon Giles is. For a live for a living creature, yeah. <laughs> just the casual way Spike says, "Yeah, that music, that mucus thing." <laughs> it's just Giles was so happy about having like, "Oh, because maybe I can like breathe fire or something cool." And it's like, no. Yeah. But yeah, so I just want to say that this seems that seems very plausible from a science perspective, and I just appreciate that. I guess absolutely. <laughs> um, and then my second thing is a little bit. I mean, RIP to Giles' car. This is the last episode with this car because Spike completely totals it. Yeah. And, like, everyone is hating a little bit on Giles' car because what even is this car? But, actually, I did a little bit of Google searching. It is actually a very fancy, like, imported French, like, vintage French, like, sports car, essentially. Interesting. His, um, what is it? His Citron? Yeah. And so 
if you go online, there's like a lot of photos of like really like fancy, shiny looking ones that are in way better condition than Giles's car mm-hmm. <laughs> is. But they, they, I mean, they actually do look pretty cool. So I think sometimes people making fun of Giles's car is a little bit. I mean, his is pretty beat up. I don't know why he's he's driving this sort of very beat up looking sports car especially after he made the watchers council pay to have that car fucking shipped over from the uk when he moved here to take his position yeah that's that should be powder coated he should be out there every weekend like polishing the little headlights and shit yeah i guess he doesn't have time for that as a watcher but he has time now he's unemployed he should have been like right in the parking area the garage of his condo making all of the people who live there incredibly jealous while he like hand waxes it or something yeah i've always been confused by that too because it like is a very cool looking car yeah yeah no they are pretty cool looking actually i can send you ones that are like spiffed up i mean and yeah and according to wikipedia they're vintage cars they were designed back in the day but are like inspired by like the space race so they kind of have a weird sort of like sci-fi cover looking spaceship looking vibes. And they actually are super cool. But the real reason that I bring this up in this section and on another section is we have Spike complain about driving this car. And part of me is like, Spike, you're old as shit. You know how to drive a stick. What are you complaining? (laughs) Why are you just talking shit about Giles's car? But he is not a, he's not incorrect. Apparently these cars are a semi-automatic. So there's no clutch, but you still have to shift the gears by hand. So what you just do it by sound and the feel of the gas pedal? I I don't know. I have no idea. Like right, how I guess you would just do it by the mileage and the feel of it, which is why Spike is like what the fuck is wrong with your car? And I'm like, "Oh, no, this is a legitimate complaint that Spike has. I would also be like, what the fuck? Why do I still yeah. have to manually shift this motherfucker? That's so weird. Yeah. Also cool that that fits into the episode so well. That is very neat. I know. I'm just, because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the dialogue of them just bickering, but I'm also just kind of like, you're clearly struggling with this shit, this shit when you should not be. Um, but yeah, I guess as part of the appeal of the car, I guess they're sort of, in Europe, they're sporty, like, race car kind of cars. But in the U.S., they never caught on because France has laws about, or had laws about how many horsepower. How does that works in an engine? How powerful your engine is? Yeah. But, of course, LOL America does not. <laughs> so they okay. weren't nearly as fast as a lot of other cars you can buy. And they were also half as big. Like, if you think of, like, a 1960s Cadillac <laughs> and then, like... This little two-door, sporty, European sport. Yeah, no one in America is buying that shit because heaven forbid anyone buy a a gas-guzzling giant car in this (laughs) fucking country. Yeah, we don't believe in that. Yeah, why why would you ever do that? So, and when Giles buys a red sports car in season five and you're like, why did you buy this midlife crisis car? (laughs) It actually makes sense because the Citroen is essentially... Like a fancy vintage sports car. It's just that no one respects it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in like no one respects this car, and everyone's just kind of like, "Just what the fuck," you know. In the next one, so yeah, I always thought that this car was cooler than his midlife crisis car. It was like, I don't think this is an upgrade, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it looks so much more interesting than other cars, which I don't. I don't care about new cars at all, except for my 
incredible disdain for SUVs and oversized pickup trucks that people drive in the suburbs for no reason except to like waste gas. Yeah. But I do like classic cars because classic cars look interesting enough for me to be able to identify that as opposed to you can't tell the difference between these eight different SUVs. No, I c- it's blue. I cannot. Uh-huh. But I don't know. Classic Cadillacs had fins and like, right, Giles's little Citron looks like a spaceship. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, for the people who listen who know things about cars, this is maybe, <laughs> this is your little bit of car <laughs> <laughs> Uh Thank you all so much for listening to this very special bonus episode. If you like what you hear, then you should totally go check out the episode of We Are the Gares that we released in the Gaily Profit feed last week. And obviously, you should also consider joining our Patreon where you can listen to all of the episodes of We Are the Gares. Uh, the music in the intro thingy is by Kevin McLeod. The interstitial music in this episode is Because the Night by 10,000 Maniacs. If you want more We Are the Gayers, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegaylyprofit. And check us out on social media. We're at thegaylyprofit on Instagram and Twitter. And I think that's all for this week. So... Until next time. It's the hell mouth, bitch. Like, what? <laughs>